Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. I'm so excited because I get to talk about Jesus. I love Jesus. All throughout the scripture, we see Jesus. We see him in the Old Testament. Did you know that? We see him from Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus. Jesus is visible all through the scriptures. We don't see Jesus in the human form until the New Testament. But I love to read my Bible from Genesis all the way to the maps in the back just to see Jesus. Jesus is everywhere. Jesus is illuminated and highlighted. And there are types and shadows of Jesus all throughout what God would put in the Old Testament because he wanted us to have a glimpse of what he was going to give us in full through Jesus. What I know about this Jesus that I love, that you love, is that he is not the kind of God who is a stationary kind of God. Jesus was always on the move. Jesus was on a mission. Jesus had purpose. He was literally on a journey to a hill called Golgotha to be crucified. But on his way, while moving, he was always working. He was working through signs and wonders and teachings. His teaching was so revolutionary that people would miss something that Jesus did cities out into the desert, a dry place, just so they didn't miss something that Jesus had to say. People who are religious leaders in the church and in the temples were upset and they they didn't like everything that he said because Jesus was saying things that was against the grain of what even the most religious elite believed of their day. Jesus was a busy man, not just preaching and teaching but he was also healing and raising the dead he was a moving God and in our text ladies and gentlemen in John 11 there is a desperate need for Jesus to move there is a desperate need for this moving God to do what it seems like he's done for others but right now in this situation we find ourselves with a group of people who feel like this is a hopeless situation see what I need you to see here in the text is not so much a story about a miracle. Not so much about a story where there is resurrection of a person from death to life. But what I need you to see this morning with your spiritual eyes is we see a text that is about someone who has lost hope and it is being resurrected. See, Lazarus wasn't the only thing being resurrected in the story. The deeper you go in the text, the more you begin to see. But this story has a lot of stuff in it that bothers me when I read it. I don't know about you, but some of this stuff just doesn't seem to line up at first. Are you with me? Because it says, verse 3, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, and they say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Okay, cool, keep going. When they heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Okay, it's making a little bit more sense now. That's cool. Jesus said, you know, it's not going to end this way. Okay, it's not going to end at that. That's good. I'm glad you said that. Then he says, I'm going to move. I'm going to do something. Okay, this is getting better. But verse 6 hits us with this bombshell. So when he heard, he being Jesus, when he heard that the one that he loved, Lazarus, was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, can you see this thing playing out? The disciples hear from Mary and Martha that Lazarus is sick. They get the text message that, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, we got the group, me, the thing. We, we heard from, you remember Martha and Mary and all them? Yeah, in the South we say, you remember Mary and them? That's how we say it. Mary and them. 
Mary and then Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Yeah, Lazarus is really sick. And they're saying it doesn't look real good. They're already preparing grave clothes and stuff. Like, it's that kind of sick. Jesus, Jesus is like, he's not sick. He, 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 he'll be all right. It's not going to end in death. Y'all worried about him dying? I'm putting it in my translation now. He says, y'all are worried about him dying? He's, this, this thing is, he's just, he, it's fine. He's not, he's going to be fine. Let's keep going. He says, it says that he stayed there two more days. Now watch this. Now, let me just do it this way. Because you know what? Rather than reading it, I need you to catch this. Have you, have you ever imagined what it would have been like to be there and to hear that this person is sick and to tell your Jesus, you're a disciple. You're there with him. Jesus, he's sick. Could you imagine what that would have been like when Jesus is like, well, we're not going to leave yet, though. Like, I know he's dying, but it's going to be cool. The disciples are probably like, uh, no, like he's really sick. Like the kind that like we should go right now. Jesus is like, it's going to be cool. It's not going to end it. They're like, okay. Okay, Jesus, we know you're awesome. You never fail. You're always time. He's an on-time God. They're like, we got to go, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, we're going we to hang out here for two more days. Okay, I, 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 that didn't really line up with what you said. But, uh, okay, we, we just go hang out there. We, we're cool. Just a couple days. All right. It gets worse. Now, remember, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they know Jesus. They sent word. They knew he was going to show up. So they get a text back from the disciples. We told Jesus. He said it's not going to end in death. So they're excited. They're like, Lazarus, you ain't going to believe. We got a call back. We got a text back from Jesus. He's on his way. He's coming. He's going to be here. Hang in there, Lazarus. He's going to be here real soon, Lazarus. We already know. He's always on time. He's going to show up. He's good. He's awesome. And they're looking, and, and, and Jesus doesn't show up. And hear me, Lazarus dies. He dies. They were saying, Jesus isn't going to let you down. He always shows up. If you pray, the Bible says, if you pray and believe that your prayers are going to work. Have you heard that before? This is going to happen. And Lazarus dies. I highlight that. I highlight that that way because many of us love to talk about the times we prayed and God showed up. But what about the times that we pray and he does not answer? See, it's one thing for me to pray like like when I'm needing something and I really feel like I need God to move. Like when I'm hungry and I need to get to a restaurant. I'm like, God, you better get me somewhere fast. If I don't eat right now, I'll tell my wife, Heather, I'll say, babe, if I don't get some food fast, if I don't get some food Fast. I'm, I'm like, babe, I'm so, ha- how many of you have ever said this? I'm like, babe, I'm so hungry. I feel like I'm going to die. You know what my wife says to me? Really? Really? You're going to die. You're going to use those words. Those are the words you're going to speak over your own life that you're going to die. And she's dead serious. Sorry, she's alive serious. She doesn't want me to use those words. <laughs> I'm getting better. She doesn't want me to use those words. Why? Because your confession over your life produces results. Your words have power. See, your words have power because your God's words had power. In the beginning, there was nothing. But your God said, let there be. And there was something. Your God stepped out onto nothing where there was nothing. Spoke something and there was everything. Your Jesus spoke a word in the scriptures. And then a, a tree died. And somebody resurrected your words have power somebody say my words have power your confession what you say it matters here's my question is are your words lining up with the things that you see or are your words lining up with the things he said 
See, because Jesus said he's not going to die. It won't end this way. And then he died. What do you do when what you see is not what you heard him say? We as believers, this is probably the greatest challenge we will ever face as believers. But I think it pleases the heart of God because the Bible says that faith is what pleases him. Without it, you can't even please him. But when you are in a situation that is hopeless and it looks like you might as well just throw in the towel. Everybody else is even encouraging you like, hey, don't get your hopes up. This is probably already over. You know what God says to you today? Get your hopes up. Put your hope in me. I am a redeemer. And if I can redeem death to life, I can redeem this dead situation. God says your body's not done. I'm a healer. God says your marriage isn't done. I'm a restorer. God says that prodigal isn't lost. That which is lost shall be found. If you believe it, give him a worthy praise right there. See, my words are going to line up with his word. If his word says it's done, then I say it's done. If I'm standing in the face of a devil who is standing there intimidating me, a situation that is telling me it's over and I'm defeated, I can still smile. Why? Because I know it ain't over yet. I was mad when I read that Jesus said that he was glad about it. He literally said that. He said, I know he's dead now. I told you he wasn't going to die. But for your sake, I'm actually glad I wasn't there. Oh, no, he didn't. (laughs) Jesus, what are you saying right now? I need you to explain that. You're glad? Wait a minute. You're glad that he died. You're glad you didn't show up. We're going to work here for a second. See, that's enough to make us mad. Could it be that there are things that God will allow in our lives that make us mad, but make him glad? Now, I know this is hard to preach, and I know this isn't great preaching, shouting material in the church today. But can I just tell you that God, I believe, allows us to walk through things that we don't understand so much so that we don't think it's him. But undercover, he is working. Undercover. He's moving undercover. He's doing something. Could it be that there are things that you are upset about and God is smiling? Why could he smile? Because he's smiling about your current? No, because he sees the end of the story. Have you ever been watching a movie with somebody like one of those suspense filled? Roller coaster on the edge of your seat, nail biter of a movie. You, you, those movies that make you like, I don't know what's fixing to happen. You better get out the house. You better go. You better go. Don't get out the house, girl. He's going to get you. And you've seen the movie before. If you watch the movie again with someone else who has not. Oh, that's fun right there. See, then the entertainment is no longer the movie that you've already seen. Why? Because you already know in the midst of all the stress and all the drama, you already know what's going to happen. And so you can actually smile while watching the movie and you're not even bothered by it while your friend is like, oh no, she's about to go. She's got to get out the house. He's got the chainsaws. It's bad. This is going bad. I know it's going bad. And you're like, and you actually are enjoying it because you already know how it's going to end. Oh, let me preach to somebody today who's in the middle of a story. You're in the middle of a movie. God already sees the end from the beginning. The Bible declares he's the author of your faith and the finisher of your faith, which means that he who has began a good work in you, even in the midst of the hell you're going through, is going to be faithful to carry it on until completion. Anybody who's in the middle of it ought to give God a praise right in the middle because that shows him that you still believe. Uh Uh-huh. 
So I might be in the middle of this thing right now. But God, while I'm here in the middle, you are going to see a praise in me. I'm not going to praise you on the other side. I'm going to do like they did when they built those 12 stones right in the middle of my river. Because I need the stones that I build with my praise to forever change the flow of this river. Oh, you got to know Bible to get that. I'm going to begin to praise God now so it affects generations to come. You don't even realize this. Some of you young people, you young adults, you teenagers, your children and great-grandchildren yet unborn are depending on you to put your little violin away and stop whining and crying over what happened to you. Nobody's judging you and nobody's condemning you, but you got to get to the place where you say, I'm stepping out of that thing. I have... I have stayed in fear and doubt and unbelief long enough. I'm going to the next level. If you believe it, give him praise right there. I'm going to the next level. What, what you think is your obstacle may be your greatest opportunity because the thing the enemy has designed to take you out, God says, I'm going to use that thing to take you in to your destiny and your purpose and no devil in hell can stop God if you believe it. Say yes. I'm rushing now. He doesn't come Lazarus dies then has the audacity to make a statement he says I'm glad I wasn't there but don't get so mad until you keep reading the verse so that you may believe when God sees he's losing your faith don't be surprised that he does something because he's trying to get it back and does maybe is the wrong word, but God will allow things to happen in your life that you say that you are saying to yourself, this is not God. This is from the devil. This is from hell. And you are right. But remember a conversation in Job when God knows who you are, when God knows who, who is on the inside of you that you can't even fully see yet. When he sees what he created, formed, fashioned in you, he, he will let the enemy try his best. Because he knows this one, oh, they'll trust me. This one, oh, yeah, they'll believe me. Oh, so go ahead, do your best. Try until even everybody around them gives up on them. And it seems like everybody has given up. See, God, God will never give up on you. Even when you give up on yourself, even when other people give up on you, even when those around you who are supposed to always support you give up on you. See, God will never walk past your pain. Just like in that story in John 5 where there was a paralyzed man for 38 years being laying here waiting on a miracle. People walking by him. People walking past him. People walking by him. Nobody there to help him. How do you know that preacher? I'm so glad you asked. He told Jesus, I have no man to help me get in the pool. He said, I don't have anybody. And while 38 years had passed, of people passing him by. Jesus goes to pass him by, but he stops. Oh, a moving God stops for faith. He stops and he heals this man and he changes everything in one moment. See, what you thought was going to take six years, what you thought was going to take 12 steps, what you thought was going to take 40 days, God can do it in one moment when there's faith that he can stand on and operate on. See, I'm rushing out of my clothes, but I need you to see this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. Now, I know why you're glad. I know why you're glad. Martha and Mary are still upset. They're still upset because Jesus, what did she say? She said, if you would have been here. Can you see this playing out? Jesus doesn't leave for two days. He gets there four days after this man that's his friend has died. Can you see him showing up late? They're so late, they didn't make the funeral. They didn't make 
The graveside service, they show up just in time for the repast meal. Mm-hmm. Fried chicken, mac and cheese with like four cheeses and kind of, you know, in the oven on the top, make a little layer. I might be a little hungry. That's beside the point right now. Buttermilk biscuits. If you're from the South, collard greens. Give me some pepper sauce. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about now. I mean, it's awesome. We got the whole spread. Jesus and his disciples come walking in. Can you see Mary? Uh-uh. No, you didn't just walk up in here four days late, Mr. Jesus. She says, if you would have been here, Jesus, four days ago, he wouldn't be over here in the tomb dead. Can you see the disciples when she starts tripping? They're like, uh-oh. We're just going to wait over here, Mr. Jesus. <laughs> you know? They're like, we're going to go over here to the food, Jesus. And Mary's like, uh-uh, keep your hands off my biscuits, okay? If you can't show up when I need you, don't think I'm about to feed you. Mary had attitude. You feel what I'm saying? She says, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have been here, my business would be successful. If you would have been here, my relationship would be right. If you would have been here, I wouldn't have to make the decisions that I'm making now. But you aren't here. You didn't show up. You didn't even answer the prayer I prayed. Finally, here comes Martha. When she makes that statement that separates what she said from what Mary said. Because essentially they said the same thing. They both said, if you would have been here, he, he, would, he would have been healed. But, but, but Martha said something that Mary didn't. See, Mary didn't give him no ointment this time, no, no hair on the feet, none of that. No, no. She just said, you didn't show up. If you would have, I know you could have done something. Catch that. But Martha says, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But then she goes on to say, and I want to read it because I want you to catch it. She says this. She says, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And then she says, I know that even now you still have the power to raise him from the dead. See, that little phrase that she said is so important because that little even now is just a glimpse of hope. If you lose hope, you lose it all. I've heard great quotes. They're worded different, but are around the same theme. It says something like this, that a man can live without food for 40 days without water for three days, without oxygen for eight minutes, but a man cannot live without hope for even one second. This is a hopeless, dark, over with, final situation. The man's not just dead, he's been placed in a tomb, they wrapped grave clothes on him, and they locked the stone in front of the tomb so you can't get in. And by the way, he's already been dead four days, which according to their culture and tradition means that the spirit has left the body. There's no chance, not even for Jesus, to resurrect. I think that's why he waited four days. Because he wanted everybody to know, this is going to be me. Because where your cultures and your traditions and your ideas have a limit of where they can function, God says there are no limits. God says I'm the one who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. He exceeds the expectations. He breaks through the limitations. Now listen to this. She says even now 
Why is that important? Because I just know that somebody in the room today, you need that even now kind of hope again. You need that even now kind of faith again. That before you leave this room, you could pray a prayer that sounds a little something like this. God, you didn't do what I needed you to do. You didn't answer my prayer the way I asked you to answer it. But I still know that even now, you can change the situation. Even now. Jesus Ask the question, and here's where I land the plane. He says, where have you laid him? I used to read this story and just brush right past that part of the story, you know. Like, it's obvious he would ask to go because he needs to go there to do what he's doing. But, but I believe that he wanted them to take Jesus to the place where they gave up. He says, take me to where you laid him. Take me to the place where you stopped believing what I said. Because I said this would not end in death. And so if you believe what I said, then why would he still be in the tomb? So take me to that place. Because until you take me to the place where you stop believing, I can't do a miracle. Because we need to go to the place where your faith died. So that there's faith resurrected. Everybody wants resurrection kinds of miracles. Everybody wants to experience resurrection power, but not everybody wants to have to go through a dead situation. But there is no resurrection without death. See, where have you laid him? He says, Mary, you used to worship me like no one else. I mean, what you did caused the religious elite to say this is too much. This is too extravagant. It doesn't take all that. That's the Mary I'm looking for. And so the only way I'm going to find that Mary is if, Mary, we go together to the place where you stop believing like you once did. Here's the question to make it plain for all of us. Where is the place where we stopped believing what he said? I've prayed for people to get healed and watch God do miracles. I'm talking about in the hospital kind of stuff. But I have also prayed for people in the hospital, on their deathbed, believing that they would walk out of there and they died. I've been asked before, well, did that do anything to affect your faith? How'd you work through that? And I've always simply said, and I mean this, absolutely not. I have never allowed that to affect me because I have understood that my job as a believer is simple. It's simple. It's to just believe what he says. So when I pray for something and it doesn't change, my thinking automatically reverts to God knows what he's doing. I prayed a prayer because I had limited knowledge and ability. He's omniscient. He's in control. So my faith isn't deterred because I'm just looking at where are you going next? The problem is, as many of us are never curious enough in our faith to say, where are you going next and where are you hiding now? We don't realize that sometimes Jesus likes to play a little hide and seek, not because he's some sick and twisted and demented God. No, I shared this earlier that whenever God wants us to seek him and to find him and to knock on that door, many times he is hidden from us, but he doesn't hide that we cannot find him at all. He only hides like I hide when I hide from my kids at home. My kids are five and six years old. If I hid in the attic, they would never find me. Sometimes I should do that. But most of the time, they're all right. And so if I'm playing hide and seek, I'll hide behind something like this table. Why? 
Because I don't want my daughter to start crying because she can't find me. I want her to see a glimpse of me and then per same way boy, that she came and found me when she couldn't find me. Your God is the same way. You can't see him right now. Maybe you can't feel him right now. Maybe you even feel like I can't trust him right now. God is saying pursue me when you can't see me. you got to trust me when you can't trace me. This is how we use our faith. So maybe without these opportunities, we would never be able to truly please God in a great way because he says it's that faith that pushes through the barriers that pleases me. I'm rushing now. We can't see the miracle until we go to the place where hope died. In my spirit, man, I just see some of you going home today and just dusting off the old wedding albums and rekindling that passion that you have in your life. I see some of you going to some plans and some dreams and some goals that you wrote down long ago, but somehow through life and through things happening, you stop believing that God could use you to build that business, to write that book, to do that thing, to go to that place. You stop believing. It's time to go dust that thing off again. Open up that journal and say, God, if I believed this 2008, I believe this right now, this year too. And so sometimes the greatest thing for God to do is to let us realize how helpless we are without Him. The most humbling thing is to realize what I need to control right now. I can't. The people who want to control the most are usually the ones who trust the least. Because if I can control it, then I can trust because I've got this. But when I have no control, do I still trust? Where have you laid it? Where did you give up on that thing? Where did you simply stop believing? Because hear me as I close. The enemy's tactics for all of us are the same. They've not changed since Genesis 1 and 2. God said something. And then he comes in and says, did God really say that? Did God really say you can't eat from this tree? Maybe if you ate, it would be better for you. Deception. All he wants you to do is think something other than what God says. So today I'm saying, God, I want to align my thoughts with you because if it's my thoughts, it becomes my actions. And if it's my actions, it produces my entire reality and then my destiny. So I'm going to believe you in spite of anything that I see around me. God's going to have some of you go home today and start writing. I don't know why I've been seeing. Is there anything that maybe you're going to sit down today with your family and say, is there anything that like we need God to do? is dead or dying let's write those things down like we need God to do this I need God to touch I need God to heal I need God to restore I need God to write those things down where have you given up or where has your faith been tested maybe you're not at the place where you've totally given up but but, but God is just saying what is it that you don't believe let's go there because that is the place where I can work that is the place where I can do a miracle I feel the anointing in this room and I'm trying to be real obedient in this moment. Jesus, I'm praying for my brothers and sisters in this room that where it looks like there's no hope, where it looks like this thing is over, I, I, I'm praying for them that today you would do a work in their spirit 
that would enable and allow them to step over the threshold of what's been holding them back, that it would be like a new step today, like a giant leap forward in the right direction, Lord. In the name of Jesus, just like when Jesus called out and this dead man was loosed and he came out of that tomb, out of that cave, I'm praying that today your people would be loosed from what's been holding them on the island of hopelessness and despair and giving up, oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus, testimony after testimony after testimony of people who are saying, I got my faith back today. Oh, no devil in hell, no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. I know who I am. I know what he said. And I know I'll see the end of the story. And I'll have a smile on my face. I know for some of you that's almost impossible to believe today, but it's going to happen. Here's my final thoughts. I believe the Holy Spirit would say to us, let's go to the graveside of what you once believed me for, but you stopped. Take me to the place where you buried your hope. What have you given up on that God has not? It's time for you to take the nail out of that coffin of the hope that you once had in Him. Father, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm praying that this message would do a deep-rooted work in hearts and lives. God, you're so incredible. The things that seem impossible for us are easy for you. So I pray you'd work in the hearts and lives of your people in such a way that they would no longer be stranded high and dry, but they would be loosed from everything that was burdening them and holding them back. It is my earnest prayer in Jesus' name for marriages to be restored, for relationships to be restored, for job opportunities where there were opportunities lost, for new opportunities to come, for people who are struggling financially right now and have no idea how it's going to work out. The money is running dry. The things that, that you hope for aren't coming through. God says you're at the perfect place now to believe and put your hope in me because when you're at the end of your rope, now is time. Now it's time to put your faith in me. Grab on to me where you feel like you have nothing else to hold on to. That's the heart of God today. I pray in the name of Jesus, you would believe it, you would receive it, and you would act upon it. And if there's anyone in this room that needs to make Jesus the Lord of their life, then this is your moment right now. All you have to do right where you are is just say, Jesus, right where you are, in your own words, even under your breath, you can say, Jesus, I believe you died for me that you rose again on that third day and that you give me eternal life and you give me life abundantly while I'm still here on this earth to fulfill your purpose and mission. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess that, you pray that, that you will be saved. Thank you for those who would make that decision today. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.